Thanks for joining us for the MassMEP Manufacturing Podcast, Transforming Manufacturing Enterprises. MassMEP believes that there are some elements to a manufacturer's business, whether it's finding their inefficiencies, strengthening their internal processes, or even unlocking their growth, that can extend a manufacturer beyond its current limitations. So every episode, take a journey with us as we speak with manufacturers, legislature, subject matter experts, and so many more as we head down the path of manufacturing across the state of Massachusetts. Whether we're in Boston, Worcester, or out in Springfield, maybe even in the Berkshires, we'll be here every week and we'll explain to you more about manufacturing and what's happening right in your own backyard. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the MassMEP Manufacturing Podcast. I'm Haley Steele. And I'm Emma Mailman. And we want to welcome everyone back, um, back to our podcast. I don't know how long it's been since we've been able to get together, but today we have an exciting topic to talk about and first-time guest as well. So this is exciting for us. Emma and I enjoy these when we have a first-time guest with us because it's new to them and it makes it uh, enjoyable for us because we've been doing this for, it feels like donkey's years now. So uh, we want to introduce um, our guest to you. Before we do that though, we're here today to talk about how next-gen production monitoring empowers today's workforce. Our guest with us today is the CEO and co-founder, John Joseph of Datanomics. So welcome uh, to our podcast, John. Thanks very much for having me. Appreciate the invite. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us. Um, we'll talk a little bit about, we have a webinar as well with you scheduled that's coming up in November, and we'll have you dig into the real meat and potatoes about the webinar and a couple of other things that we think will be well received by the manufacturers that are in our audience but before we do that let's ask our infamous we like to call it famous um icebreaker question so i'm going to ask you this question if you could choose between only having one in your life music or sports what would you choose i'd probably choose music even though I played sports for years, I probably choose music because um, I do a lot of things outside of work, like woodworking, and I do home building and home renovations as a hobby. And if I don't have music playing in the background while I'm doing that, I feel absolutely isolated and alone. So every single time I'm doing something like that, it has music in the background. And, and I like all types of music. I don't have one type that I like, but that's very, very important to me because it creates a sense of, of comfort that there's yeah. music playing and uh, the music helps with the creative process. And for me, it's a, it's a very big factor. Wow. That's a great answer. I love it. Yeah. That it was wasn't... surprising as well from our previous conversation. Right. That would yeah. have been sports all the way. Yeah. 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 That's a tough one for a lot of people. I don't think they really think about it. You know, like if you dead fast had to just pick one, what could it be? So, um, I, I figured you might say that you seem like a, a pretty uh, well diverse music kind of guy. So Highly diverse individual. Yeah, there you go. I love that. I love that. So it's I know. <laughs> well, and you said what I think is great is you saying, you know, the creativity, um, innovation and listening to the music and kind of how um, 
we are with what you're going to speak to before we get into that though i have to ask you this how did you get into this like what caused you to say um was this something you were interested in your entire life or how how did you get to where you are now with this yeah um i, I think it it starts with who you surround yourself with uh to form a working partnership and um i've had the um the unique opportunity and good fortune to be working with my co-founder, Greg McHale, um, who went to the same college that I went to. We both went to Worcester Polytech in Worcester. Uh, Greg, computer science major, and I'm a mechanical engineer. Uh, so we've been working together at four companies now since 2003, when I first met him as a, um, an intern in high school. And uh, we've just developed a great relationship, great working relationship and friendship. And um, so we've been very successful together at these companies. We left our last company um, and just started to look around at sources of data that we could transform to create for uh, a, a set of customers. Um, and through a bunch of introductions through the Worcester Polytech network and the New Hampshire network, um, we started to get introduced to manufacturers in Massachusetts and New Hampshire and spent a whole lot of time with them talking about the way they run their business, the way they think about it, their, the, some of the pitfalls in their business, the needs for information, the needs for analytics in their decision process. And um, lo and behold, we discovered um, a source of information, a source of data. We mixed that with the feedback that we got from these people that we worked with. And um, we formed Datanomics and just uh, started and continued that process with focus groups continue to refine the product and take it back to them and ask them if it was providing the insights that they were looking for. And um, we developed a software package that drops into these factories and creates uh, immediate value for the customer. And so um, the only other thing I would add to it is that I spent two years working in a machine shop. So I understand manufacturing. I also come from a manufacturing family. Uh, my dad came back from the Pacific in 1946 and started his first manufacturing company in Springfield, Massachusetts. So um, manufacturing is in my DNA. And at many Christmas and Thanksgiving and Easter dinners, we would sit there and talk about what it was like to be in manufacturing in America. And I watched that whole cycle of onshoring, offshoring, reshoring, yeah. uh, and, and how that created competitiveness for US manufacturers. And so now um, as a, as a, as a co-founder of a company, um, I go back to those roots and think about all these great people in our country and what Greg and I can give them for new levels of value to help them run their businesses better, more profitably, higher productivity, higher satisfaction for their workforce, higher satisfaction for themselves. That's awesome. How long was that process for you going in and talking to different companies and kind of just gathering the needs of them? Was that something yeah. that was... You just took a couple of months or is that several years before? Yeah, we, we, we spent at least two years doing that. Wow. Um, so it was from the focus groups to developing the product, going back and talking to these manufacturers. Uh, Greg and I both spent hours in the factory just watching and listening to the way they communicate with each other, the questions that they ask, the, uh, the analytics that they're looking for, the data that they're looking for. Um, and we picked, we cherry picked those key pieces of data so that we could sit in the middle of those conversations and present that data to them uh, through our visual factory aids in our product that would give them immediate indicators of whether something was going in the right direction or the wrong direction. And if they, if they agreed with that position, they could go act on it um, instantaneously. And that's the other key piece of it. 
we're delivering data to these customers in real time as it's being produced off of the factory floor. That's a very different experience than what they had from their other uh, analytical tools that they had deployed in the 90s, early 2000s, et cetera. Those tools are now evolving and needing uh, an augmentation of real-time analytics to make them more useful than they already are. Okay, so I think you kind of went over a little bit about uh, datanomics and what you do. I know I had said to you, can you can you go over this about what you actually do in manufacturing terms? And I think you definitely hit on that um, by saying, you know, providing the information in real time, uh, which is critical. And we talk about continuous improvement and how impactful it is to the manufacturers. Um, I know, I mean, you can tell us if there's anything more specific you want to hit on too, but when I did the research on you, so this has been, you've been doing this since 2016. We always like to ask, what have you seen has evolved in the past six years with um, Internet of Things or providing the data on real time and is how we like to talk to the manufacturers because they like basic terms. Yep. So over the last six years, we've seen a significant evolution where manufacturers are using digital information in running their businesses uh, far more frequently than we had in the past. Uh, what they're looking for is information coming from their production floor so that they can respond to that information in the moment. What they were using before were uh, clipboards and sticky notes and magic markers on whiteboards. All of that, uh, that manual labor, that manual data collection labor is being replaced by um, real-time sensing information, whether it's a sensor for temperature of a, of a coolant or ambient temperature in a factory, or the data stream that's coming off of a, a control system on a large manufacturing machine, that is critical information that they're pouring into their decision process in order to make the best decisions possible for their customers and for their facility and for their business. We've also seen that increases in demand on manufacturing companies across New England and the rest of the United States says that they now have backlogs in their factories of months rather than days and, and just a couple of weeks. They, they're now looking at six month backlogs that they need to work through. And the question that immediately comes to the table is, with the capital that we have in place in our factory, how do we optimize that capital for maximum productivity and maximum profit for our organization? Because at the end of the day, these are profitable uh, companies that need to um, be need to run a sustainable business over time. And so data is a critical element. It's the backbone of, of their business. And I often said this in my previous life, selling to IT, uh, what you don't realize is that your information technology from one part of your business to your decision uh, systems is intellectual property. The better the flow of information from your production floor to your management team, the more of a competitive edge you have over your competitors in the region and uh, your competitors globally. So how do you compete on a global stage? You don't unless you're using the kinds of tools that we provide our customers. And the last thing I'll say is that um, some of the medium-sized manufacturers, many of, uh, many of which are in Massachusetts, have realized that their core competency is in making great components. Uh, and maybe their data analytics skills are not quite as good. So why not outsource the data analytics skills to companies 
who have that as a core competency and, and let us stick to our knitting, which is making aerospace, medical, firearms, agricultural and auto automotive parts for um, tier two and tier, tier one suppliers. So um, that's been an evolution. And I think the final piece is cultural transformation, which is really important to me personally, because I look at culture when I'm with these manufacturing companies. What is their culture like? Do they embrace uh, digital information? Are their employees steeped in it? Do they communicate in a nomenclature that is familiar to everyone um, uh, using data as a backdrop for these conversations? So all of those things are important. All of those things are evolving. And uh, I, we feel like we're on the leading edge of all of it at Datanomics. Yeah, I agree. I think um, when you we talk about the time, do you feel like that the past two years has had any impact on that as well? Like, has it caused it to speed it up a little bit more and, and you know, or take it away from it? Um, I absolutely believe that the past two years has had an impact. Uh, the, the fact that uh, many companies had to go to a remote workforce compels you to be able to communicate using uh, digital information more efficiently and effectively than you ever have before. Just the fact that we're doing a podcast right now is one form of that remote communication. The web webinar that we're going to do in November uh, that I'm looking forward to doing on the 2nd of November is another uh, indication of how you educate people using technology and, and, and mass, uh, mass media to, to communicate to broad, uh, wide and diverse audiences. So uh, remote workforce required uh, them to be able to log into their systems back in the facility and pull information out, make decisions, uh, get work done, assign people to tasks, uh, communicate with their customers using technology. So it's, it, it has accelerated it dramatically. Very, very positive effect on our business and their businesses as well, because at the end of it, when you came out the other end of it, you were better for it, right? You had new skills that you had developed around communication and uh, and uh, leading your people, management and communication were were improved over that time. So that's a, those are all good things. Yeah, I agree. I always say one of the positives I think that came out of COVID was our we realized how reliant we were on technology in that time, and it did speed everything up. But at the same time, it gave us two options. So off your point for our webinar, you know, we've done events in person. COVID hit. We were limited. We had to go high or we had to go virtual. And now you see our events, and it's hybrid options for almost everything. So it's yes. a wider audience that now you can engage with and attract versus before was, everything was in person. Yeah, and I, I would add to that by saying that as a working professional, we've all had to develop skills around communicating our message to the person on the other side without being present with them in the same room. So mm -hmm. things like body language and facial expressions are all very different and our visual cues are very different in the way we communicate with each other. So new skills that we really didn't spend a whole lot of time on are, the, the last two years forced us to sharpen those skills. Definitely, definitely. Um, well, off of that, in your years of, you know, working with different analytics with data, is there one success story that stands out to you um, from working with a manufacturer that you'd be willing to share with us? Yeah, um, there are several. Uh, I think the area that um, comes to mind immediately is during the last three years of selling this product, we've helped several companies and specifically in Massachusetts, because this is the audience here, uh, specifically in Massachusetts, we've helped them rise to meet the demand from their customers. 
Uh, and the only way they could meet that demand was to understand exactly what was happening in their factory, on their machine tools, and with the jobs that they were cutting for their customers in real time so that they could um, rebalance, assign employees to other stations, hire additional employees, buy additional equipment, um, revise forecasts to their customers on delivery, and um, uh, very specifically for a company that we've uh, we've focused on in our website, uh, DFF Corporation in Agawa, Massachusetts. Um, Amazon Corporation came to DFF and said, we need you to triple your forecast for us uh, for output of these robot um, uh, turntables, these castings that we need to fill our warehouses to be able to move goods through our warehouses. Um, and DFF did an amazing job of deploying us across their entire factory floor across all of those machines uh, and were able to see the productivity, the utilization of their equipment and tune it and rebalance it and, and send people who are manufacturing engineers, mechanical engineers uh, and uh, quality control engineers into those work cells to help their employees, to help their machinists, to help their operators keep that output going at that sustained rate. Because again, as you, you just as, uh, we just described the last two years, um, working from home and, and buying uh, retail e-commerce goods uh, through Amazon and uh, all these other e-commerce sites went through the roof. And so how do you respond to that? You respond to that by uh, putting manufacturing in place that's gonna supply you with the tools and mechanisms that move those uh, consumer goods from the farm through the factory to the, to the household. So DFF is an excellent example. We helped aerospace companies, we helped uh, medical components companies to, to uh, staff up, to, to uh, support the medical industry. Firearms makers um, had huge demand uh, spikes in uh, demand for their products, and we'd help them as well. So really, really proud of the customers that we have and really, really proud of what we were able to do as a company to help them be successful. So lots and lots of examples. Yeah, it goes back to the old quote, numbers don't lie, right? It's the easiest to see gaps in your system. If you want a more efficient process, you really got to break down uh, break down the numbers for each station you're working with. Right. And, and, and the other one, which says, if you can't see it or, or if you can't measure it, you can't act on it, right? Yeah. So we help people see things they could not see before. And uh, <laughs> I'll give you a quick one. You know, we met with a, with a customer in Michigan a couple of months ago, and we were monitoring their equipment. Uh, and they run two shifts. They run a 7 to 5.30 shift and a 5.30 to 2 o'clock in the morning shift. And when we showed them the uh, utilization of their factory after 12 midnight, the discovery they made that they never knew about was that their operators basically walked away from their machines at 12 midnight and the last two hours of production were basically zero. So um, without our tool, they never would have seen that. And so... Yeah, it's a lot of money wasted, right? A lot of money wasted. Yep, absolutely. So lots and lots of discoveries here, both good and bad. So would you be able to break it down into the three um, most critical points on why it's it's important for your entire organization to implement um, data analytics? I know we've talked about a lot of different things, but if you could give the three most critical points on why this is important. I think it's important because there's a very wide uh, diversity in workforce uh, in the workforce today, uh, specifically in the manufacturing companies that we are supporting. Uh, they have a workforce that's um, reaching retirement. They have a new workforce that's coming out that doesn't have the machining, the fine machining skills that they need to be successful. So how are you bridging 
the gap between the very experienced workforce that you've had for 25 years and the new workforce that's coming in with very different skills, a workforce that has digital skills and needs uh, digital uh, stimulus, digital information so that they can do their, their jobs better. Um, how do you supplement those employees? That's, that's one major thing. I think that the next major thing is um, time to information. So being able to pull information from a machine tool and serve that information up to um, the decision makers at a company, the president, the owners, the vice president of operations and continuous improvement, those people need that information in real time to be able to affect change, affect improvements. Um, and they've assigned all kinds of, uh, of taglines to it, quality control, continuous improvement. Those are things, uh, lean manufacturing, those are things that are very, very critical to the customers that we serve. And I think the last piece is the cultural shift, the cultural transformation that occurs when we put visual factory information up on large TV screens and factories, we see a coalescence of uh, and unity that occurs across the factory floor where people come together, where the, the retiring generation wants to help the senior machinists, want to help the junior machinists to be successful. And so they take the time to talk to them, to walk over to them, to educate and train them on what they should be doing to get higher productivity, to get higher levels of success. Because at the end of the day, everyone's measured by the output of the company and everyone's rewarded by the output of the company. And so um, that was a, a, a revelation. And the last piece is the assumption that the owners of these companies come to the table with. And the assumption is the employees who work for us want to do a good job for us. So how do we help them do a good job and show that they're doing a good job every day? Uh, people don't come to work to, um, to, to be subversive. They come to work to be progressive. So um, how do we help these people to succeed? And that's a, that's a key learning from this whole thing. Yeah, and I think the biggest factor of that too is like nowadays, especially I'd say with my generation growing up with such, with technology constantly getting improved, everything nowadays is so rapid. I mean, think of something down to like social media. You could connect with millions of people in five seconds. Um, everything's just with the click of a button. So I think it's important to highlight that um, within an organization, all areas technologically have to be improved together in order to meet demands and ensure your company can be sustainable and, and there's longevity with employees and you're, you're retaining your employees. There's not you know too many problems filling that gap. So you talking about senior management, connecting to junior management, um, they're working together on this new equipment and these new roles. And I think it's incredibly important to kind of uh, diminish how big that gap is right now because it's a problem that we hear about constantly. Yep, it's a, it's a significant issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that aging workforce and then having that tribal knowledge, like how is that being captured? And this is this is a great way to be able to do that. So yeah, it's a big deal. Haley, to tie you back in, um, can you kind of just go through how we connect uh, to Datanomics and then um, what we're able to offer through workforce training funds um, for driving rapid and continuous value with IIoT? Absolutely. So um, as John has said, we do have a webinar with him. It, it is scheduled for November 2nd. Um, it's from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. You can register on our website at massmap.org. And the reason we do these podcasts and these webinars is for the benefit and the value add to the manufacturer. And so as part of that, we create these partnerships with organizations such as Datanomics, 
and it allows us to implement training plans through the subject matter experts. And then what we can do is offer them through workforce training funds. So we're very fortunate in the state of Massachusetts that we have these funds that are available to us from the state. Um, any manufacturer that pays in to their taxes, you take advantage of using these funds. So we do have a program that we offer uh, through our workforce training funds through the express grant and also through our general grant uh, that you can take John up on these offers. And we will talk about these a little bit more in depth in the webinar itself and get into it. But if you have questions regarding that, uh, and if you are someone that doesn't know that these funds exist, uh, all, you have, all that you have to do is go out to mass.gov and look for the workforce training funds and see what's available for most of the manufacturers that we work with. The nice part about it is there is no cash flow obligation to them, uh, and it is a reimbursable expense. So we do offer a package uh, through Datanomics. It's called Driving Rapid and Continuous Value with Industrial IoT Technology. Um, it is an on-site training um, that they do. It's eight hours for the day, and it's there's a lot of, I, we can go into more of the description and the objectives and, you know, what the skills would be under the attainment and basically the agenda on how John runs that. But I think that's something that, you know, as we move into the webinar, um, this definitely will be highlights that we want to hit. But if anybody has any questions between now and then, um, if you can't wait until November 2nd, hopefully that will be a bunch of you that'll reach out and say, hey, we can't wait till then. Let's talk about this now and let's get this going. Um, we are happy to set you up with one of our business development advisors and they can walk you through this. The best part about this is it is a full service for us. Uh, you know, we bring in manufacturers that are looking for something along these lines, you know, what type of continuous improvement do I need to implement in this moment? Um, is it IIoT? Is it, you know, uh, advanced manufacturing? What am I looking to do? Industry 4.0. And then what we can do is we can sit down with the manufacturers, similar to what John did in his process, um, and figure out what their needs are, what their pain points are. And then we can connect you with John. We get him in there. He's the subject matter expert. He goes over everything um, through nuts and bolts, you know, dotting your I's, crossing your T's, and you walk away with an extreme value add, and there is no cash flow obligation to you. So we then will follow and keep continually following up with the manufacturers to make sure we're hitting all their needs. Um, obviously, there are things that, you know, are out there that exist in the world. There's plenty of grant funding that exists, uh, but as MassMEP, we're there as a trusted advisor, and we basically walk through this entire process with you um, from start to finish. So we get you the connection and we're always here if you ever need to know a little bit more about what's available, what training funds are out there, what other funds are out there. There's not just training funds, there's lots of other funds. Uh, there's lots of, you know, the MMAP awards and the, the CHIPS funding and all the funding that's coming our way. So what we can do, um, we are supported by NIST. Um, and so they're the National Institute of Standards and Technology. And so the NIST MEP that backs us, there's 51 MEPs uh, in every state in Puerto Rico. And uh, this is why we're here. You know, we're a manufacturing extension partnership. And so we do the partnership. We do it with a third party, uh, like with John and Datanomics. And we also do it with the manufacturers. So that's how it, that's how we work. That's how um, I would recommend anybody though, to attend the webinar in the second. 
and learn a lot more. Um, John can go into a lot of in-depth regarding, you know, his three key points that he went over, and I'm sure he will. Um, and, you know, we're looking at discussing what he said, improving the operations, assisting with hiring and the company culture. So those are the hot topics right now. That's what every manufacturer is looking at. And then we have on our end, we'll have our subject matter expert um, who will be talking to you from MassMEP and telling you more on how the, the funding works and how we can get you wrapped into that. So that's it. That's kind of how we work. That's us in a nutshell. John, do you have anything else? You think you got it all out there and covered it? We don't want you to give everything because you're going to need to save some of it for November 2nd. So um, I know you've got lots of great stories, but um, keep some of that if you can for November 2nd. But other than yeah. that, we hit everything. I think so. You know, I will save some for November 2nd. But what I will say is in the meantime, if you want to learn more about our company and the technology that we provide, you can find us at uh, Datanomics, D-A-T-A, N-O-M-I-X dot I-O. Uh, and we'd be happy to talk to you in advance uh, of the presentation on November 2nd. We're friendly people and we're here to make you successful. If we don't make you successful, we're not successful. Uh, we will have it on our website. So you, when you go to our website, massmap.org, you'll see under the listing, under our resources, our podcast, and then you'll see the most recent episode. And you'll see we have the website there. So you can just click right on it and get into uh, into their website. So, all right. Well, thanks, John. Thanks for giving us your time today. Thank you both very much. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the Mass MEP Manufacturing Podcast. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Mass MEP Manufacturing Podcast, Transforming Manufacturing Enterprises. You can subscribe to our channel anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and you can always go to our website at massmap.org. So we'll see you next time, whether it's our space, your space, or cyberspace.